Owen Marbury was part owner of an IT service business. Now he's locking horns with his ex-partner Devin and fighting for his reputation and his freedom. But when Michaela Stanford, his former college bestie and crush, walks back into his life, he's reminded of the fire that still burns between them. As their 20-year college reunion approaches, they have a chance to rekindle their friendship and explore love once again. But Owen's battle with Devin is getting in the way of pursuing things with Michaela. With Devin breathing down their necks and threatening their lives, Owen must decide whether to give in or fight for his heart's desire. This is the premise of Secret Second Chances, a friends to lovers second chance romance available on Amazon on March 5th. Pick up your copy today. This is the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, and I'm your host, Y.M. Nelson. today's episode of the podcast, we will be talking with Jill McNally, an award-winning author of contemporary romance. She writes stories about characters facing real-life challenges with real-life consequences. The stories are emotional, but they still have humor, and love always finds a way to pull the characters through together. She has written for Harlequin Super Romance, Harlequin Special Edition, and HQN Books. Joe lives in upstate New York with 100 pounds of dog and 200 pounds of husband. Her slice of the bed is very small. When she's not writing or reading romance novels or clinging to the edge of the bed, she can often be found on the back porch, sipping wine with friends, listening to an eclectic playlist. If the weather is perfect, she might join her husband on the golf course, where she always feels far more competitive than her actual skill level would suggest. Let's take a listen to what Joe McNally has to say about When Sparks Fly, her latest in the Rendezvous Falls series. Hello, nerdy romantics. Today we are here with Joe McNally and she it has written book five, yes? Of the series, yes. Of yes. Of the series. I don't know if you can see it, everybody. <laughs> when Sparks Fly. Absolutely love this book. Oh good. And um I just want to welcome you to the Nerdy Romantics Podcast. Well, thank you. I was very excited to get the invitation. It's like, you know, I I wear my nerd flag high. <laughs> Yay! Okay. I love it. I love it. So what are you most nerdy about? Oh gosh. Well, I'm I'm very much the introvert when it comes to things. I so I think that kind of helps me fit into the nerd crowd. Yeah. I'm not necessarily computer savvy, but I like messing with it and 
trying to get technology to work. Some of my best friends were in the IT department at work because I would just bug them all the time. You know, like, why does turning it off and turning it back on again help? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) But I want to understand how things work. Yeah, Yeah. yep. And um, I noticed that you kind of put a little bit of that in this book with your... um, with your heroine in this book, yes. Zoe, um, and she's like a Miss Fix It. And yes. I'm like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> I, I just have to say this right now. I was gonna save it till a little bit later, but um, I, I love the Miss Fix It part. And I saw on your bio that you kind of are a little bit of a Miss Fix It too. Yeah. And I just have to know because I have an alter ego weekend DIY girl and she loves HGTV. Oh yeah. Are you a HGTV person? Love it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Or, or should I say love it or list it? Right. Exactly. I was going to ask you secondly, what's your favorite, who are oh, your favorite God. HGTV celebrities? Honestly, I loved the property brothers. I think they're still on too, but I, yeah, I just thanks. love that show. And I honestly, I love love it or list it too. Cause I what she yes. does when she goes into a house just boggles my mind. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It's yeah. like, really? Yeah. I, I couldn't like, think of it. <laughs> I have a friend who's an interior designer and she's brilliant. And she would come in and she'll just move three things in the room and it looks completely different. And it's like, how do you see that? How do you, yeah, I, yeah. I I'm not bad when it comes to, decorating designing but it takes me forever i have to try i you know i have to move the furniture 10 times right she just comes in it's like oh put this here and that there it's like why didn't i think of that i want to get to that point (laughs) too yeah 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 she's gonna have to show us how she does exactly (laughs) do a mind mail with us yeah something whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's like whatever because i really want to get to that point Right now, I'm at the point where I'm scared of doing a few things, you know, because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to break something, you know, yeah. but I'm trying to get over that fear, but be bold. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to this book, yeah. um, When Sparks Fly um, and book five of the Rendezvous Falls series. I love it. I love uh-huh. it. But, you know, I will say from this cover, I thought they were going to be younger. I know. It's. And I, but, but when I started reading, I'm going to stop you because I don't want you to apologize for that. When (laughs) I started reading and I saw that these were people who were in their 40s, I was so happy <laughs> i'm middle-aged and i want to yep. see middle-aged people fall in love exactly if, if it's got to be again fine if it's got to be for the first time fine but that's what i want to see in my romance yeah. novels and i am so happy to see that here yeah. so you know i've got to ask you is this kind of where for those who this may be their first book of yours right is this kind of where you are as far as your heroes and heroines or is this the first time you've uh, forayed into 
Ah, middle age. I hate saying that. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, that generally my main characters tend to fall between 35 and 40. They're kind of in that range. There's a few exceptions, but for the most part, I like people with some life on them, (laughs) some life experience and, and all the depth that I think that brings to a character. Oh, that's great. That's great. So we're going to be seeing more people in their 40s. And, oh, absolutely. And subsequent, okay. Yeah, I'm down absolutely. with that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I also, but I also love that you do, Zoe has a teenage daughter. And so you do get that Gen Z because this is contemporary romance, everybody. And so you do get that Gen Z. I'm trying to figure out how (laughs) you navigated. (laughs) Do you have kids or, or the kids around? How did you get the vernacular? How did you make her as realistic as you could as a teenager? Which is don't crazy. have children of my own, but thanks to my husband, who is a little bit older and had children, we have seven grandkids and oh, they're wow. all high school, college age. So some of it was from that. And honestly, I just put the question out on Facebook on my pers- to my personal friends and to my readers and said, yeah, what's a 13 year old girl going to do? Say, you know, and, and people were like, her face is never going to come up from the phone, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and some of the lingo, my, uh, uh, one of my nieces is actually works in um, pediatric psychology. So she was saying she works with teens a lot. So she gave me a lot of the the common words or the slang or what they're watching and things like that. So that helped oh, too. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good because she reads so realistic and oh, I'm good. like, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't relate to this character, but I yeah. can definitely relate to her mother. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I, I love it. I mean, I just, I think she was very well done. I will say though, and I guess this is too, this is probably because I don't have children is that that dynamic between her and um and her daughter when your hero came into play mike that dynamic was so heart-wrenching i guess <laughs> it was just like oh my gosh i feel yeah. stuff i you know all the feels as they say right having all right. the feels here <laughs> and um and i was a, a little bit annoyed with with hazel at that point yes. but <laughs> Well, 13-year-old girls can She's be annoying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's a teenager. Yeah. And and two, she was going through some of her own stuff. But right. but I like how you have all the the layers of these characters, what they're going through and those situations in a small town. So is that kind of what you like to do is layer those characters, you know, with those they have real problems. These are not billionaires right. gallivanting right. around. Yeah. So is that like your sweet spot? Yeah, definitely. I want to put people in situations and have them react like, like as you say, as real people yeah. would. You know, what would I feel in that situation? Or more importantly, what would this character, you know, you have to get into the character's mindset. How would they respond? And I try really hard to get it right. Um in those situations that it feels genuine 
and that it feels genuine to what the character would do, but it also feels genuine to what the reader might, how they might react. You know, if they have a teenager, they might have said, oh yeah, that's how I would say it too. And trying to avoid the stereotype, you know, the stereotypical teenager, the stereotypical ex-husband, you know, I try to just avoid those, the villain and the, you know, everybody has layers to them. Right, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, as much as I wanted to hate certain people, you yes. couldn't totally hate them. I know. Because they just, they're just too they're, real. It's like, yeah. I just know this person. Yeah. Part of the, the hate is like, oh, well, I see why they act like they do because uh, they got this going on. Right. But I will say, though, I do hate Karen. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I love that you named her Karen. I, Did you do that on purpose? Yes, yes. I couldn't resist. I love it so much. I'm like, yep. She yeah. named this person Karen yeah. on purpose. And she's the and only we one had, I you know, like, it's oh. a lot of my books I take little tidbits. I and mean, when you're an author, you're always observing. You are just you're always recording right. <laughs> everything that you see and everything that happens and you know, you're tucking little things away or pulling things out that you've experienced. And, and we had uh, many years, well, it was 25 years ago, 26 years ago, when right around the time we got married and we had neighbors who were unpleasant, (laughs) busy bodies. They didn't like where we put our shed and, you know, long story, but they, they, we had to go to town court and fight them and we won but but, you know I kind of pulled on that like why are people paying attention to what I do on my own property you know and so I I tried to pull from those emotions I had and then layer them into what was happening in the book too exactly exactly and you and you did it so well I love it thanks um so let's take a little step back and ask for those um who are listening who are just learning about you Talk a little bit about Joe. So how did you get started writing? Uh, I, I'm one of those that I just, from the time I was little, I wanted to write. I was a big reader. Um, and I just, the more I read books as a child, especially once I get into chapter books, you know, like Walter Farley's The Black Stallion and things like that. I wanted to do that. You know, as I'm reading the books and getting lost in them, I was also thinking, I want to create worlds like this. I want to write these stories. My girlfriend and I would sit and write out books, you know, and in notebooks. And oh wow. But it was something I always dreamed of doing and life just got in the way. Confidence got in the way. I got into the corporate ladder routine and um just kept working and thinking, someday I'm gonna write, someday I'm gonna write. And then I was in my early 50s when uh, I just realized it was now or never. You know, I I literally went to, it's a funny story. I went to a, my friend asked me to go to her daughter's Girl Scout troop career night. And she wanted them to see a woman in the business world. So, you know, I was one of the people, you know, there was a nurse and a teacher and whatever. and, And they have all these little questions set to ask. And so as they sit down, you know, they just kind of fill in the blank of what your job is. And at the time I was director of international director of customer service. So I sit down, this little girl looks at me and says, did you want, did you dream of being the international director of customer service when you were a little girl? Wow. And it was like a lightning bolt went off in my head. It was like, no, 
know, it's like, and, you know, I answered it with, I, I stayed smooth in the conversation. <laughs> and she's, well, I've always wanted to help people. <laughs> Right. Customer service. We help people. <laughs> we make people happy. Right. But I couldn't get that question out of my head for like weeks afterward. I was going, I always wanted to do that. I've always believed I could do it. I've got to do it. I I, yeah. I have to start right now. And I yeah. literally within three weeks had started writing a book that never got published, but you know, it was, it was my practice book. Yeah. <laughs> Every author has a practice book. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Um, and so um, after you did that practice book, so how long, um, because for our audience, some of our audience are writers. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to get from, I want to write to writing for HQN? trying to think it was probably two years I wrote the the practice book my billionaire mystery thriller it was like every trope you can imagine it was all combined in this one book but it was oh, good wow. practice and then I wrote the next book and that was better and then I wrote the one after that and that was definitely more marketed ready to ready to be marketed mm -hmm. so it was probably three years and then I went to uh, actually an RWA convention in New York City. And you got like these little 10 minute pitch sessions. Yep. And I went to a pitch session with a Harlequin editor and sold the book in that wow. pitch session. And that nice. was with Super Romance, which is no longer right. part of the line. But then I went into special edition with that series. And then a few years later, when with the HQ and I still write special edition. I, I do both now. I do the shorter novels and the longer ones. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Um, so tell us a little bit about Rendezvous Falls since this is book five. Yes. yes. So tell us about Rendezvous Falls, small town. Yes. How did yeah, you I come up with Rendezvous Falls? Well, I wanted, um, first of all, never name a series a word that you can never spell correctly the first time. <laughs> I misspell rendezvous all the time. Uh, and actually on the first cover, the art department misspelled it too, but I caught it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but but um, I live in upstate New York, love the area. My special edition series is set in the Catskills. I wanted to set this one in wine country in the Finger Lakes. And one of the things in that area, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. And it's famous for its waterfalls, which is how Rendezvous Falls came to be. Okay. But it also has a lot of Victorian houses, I should say, with all the gingerbread and the colorful paint. And there's a couple of towns near here. Skinny Atlas was kind of the inspiration for it. Okay. But I decided, okay, I want some of those Victorian homes. And then I decided, what if the whole town is Victorian homes. And what if they're all just crazy colors and this is what the town is famous for? And it's still at the same time, I wanted a small town that still had, that wasn't as isolated, that had the diversity that I think every community needs. So right. that's why I put a small community college there. Yes. So that kind of brings in the younger factor and keeps them from being too isolated in yeah. the world. I wanted to right. make sure that it wasn't a an island, you know, I wanted it to be a community that's part of the world at large. Oh, yeah. 
And it does, and it does feel that way oh, with all the with all the colorful characters yes. too, which, which we'll talk about in just yeah. a minute. <laughs> but um, I'm so excited about this book. I forgot to ask you. Um, tell us, uh, listeners, because see, I've already read it, so y'all you know, <laughs> just got to go out and get it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just go out and get it. But tell listeners what this this particular book is about. When sparks fly. Well, when sparks fly, um, with Mike and Zoe, I wanted to write, you know, everybody likes, you know, friends to lovers trope. And I wanted to tackle that, but really dive in. I, I tend to be a what if writer when I'm putting my story at what if this, well, right, what if, then I add this layer, you know, you talked about layers. Right. So they're not only friends, they're best friends. They've been best friends since third grade. And uh, Mike has a twin sister. So the three of them, they used to, the town used to joke that they were the triplets whenever they were together. They spent so much time together. So they have, they just know each other so well. And it was, it's ironic because it's my homage to the fact that men and women can be friends like that, can have those long lasting right. friendships and just remain friends. But because it's a romance novel, they gotta, couldn't just remain friends. Gotta have that H-E-A. They had to fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's women's fiction at exactly. that point. <laughs> yeah. So it really started with that. They've been friends since third grade. They've been best friends. They joke with each other. Mike lost his wife. And it really kind of their friendship rekindled as a friendship because she started sending him silly stories, things to make him smile. Everybody else was tiptoeing around him, but she'd known him so long and knew him so well. She knew he needed just to smile, to laugh once in a while. Mm -hmm. She started texting him silly, you know, Bigfoot stories and things like that. And he started texting back riddles. So they developed this friendship. She's now divorced, trying to get starting a new life as a single mom with her daughter running the her father's repair business. And and they spend more time together, things start slowly heating up <laughs> um, between them. Mike is beginning to realize he's attracted to her as more than just a friend, but neither one of them want to ruin, A, the friendship that they've had. I mean, they're 40 years old. They've been friends since third grade. And she also has that 13-year-old daughter to think about. She's just gone through a divorce. Her husband's remarrying. Her husband's having a new baby with the new wife. Hazel's the daughter is going through a lot yeah. and Zoe has promised this is a year of Hazel everything's going to be about Hazel Hazel has told her mother I don't ever want you dating ever ever <laughs> you know as 13 year olds can do right so they have to juggle all that to figure out how all of them are going to have to bend a little bit and change expectations in order to get to that happily ever after oh, it's it's great y'all it's great. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's fun writing a friendship like that, you know, because yeah. it's just they're so silly with each other. And, you know, even the, you know, the all is lost moment when things fall apart. I was giggling as I was writing it, even though it's emotional. It was still a really funny scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely is. Um, I, you know, um, at first, I was like, oh, my gosh, small town. But now we get the whole small town vibe. And I think right. I think that, um, you know, a lot of their 
features or personality traits like come alive in the small town, but also mm-hmm. in the small town because it is a small town and everybody knows everybody's business. Everybody. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's other stuff going on in this small yes. town as well. <laughs> you know, we mentioned we I briefly kind of talked about or we briefly kind of mentioned that the main characters are in their 40s, but then there's this whole book club of ladies. <laughs> Remind me the name of their book club. I, they have it's a just, specific yeah, it's name. just, they're just the book club. Yeah, right? they're just, yeah, yeah, just a rowdy group of, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> they're a book club that doesn't read the book. That's right. That's right. Um, and they're very sassy with each other. They're not, they they, I I like to say they're the type of seniors that don't sit around baking cookies. They're more likely to be, you know, drinking whiskey and <laughs> telling dirty jokes. <laughs> exactly. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk a little bit about. I like the fact that you have the main characters in their 40s, but they're not the only ones in love. We hear that in this book club, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but, um, but there's senior relationship moments and so um was that important to you to write in is that something that you normally do or is this something that you just kind of for just started doing or well it's it's one of the features of rendezvous falls is when we first started the series is that it does have three points of view in every book so you've got your hero and the heroine um your two main characters and then there's also a point of view of one of the book club members, and it's a different senior each time. Because I, oh, okay. again, I, you oh. know, when you talk about stereotypes, it, in romance novels, when it comes to older parents or grandparents' age, they tend to all be from like the 1952. <laughs> you know, it's right. like it's like Annie M with the ruffled <laughs> right. with the ruffled apron, and they're <laughs> and they're calling everybody sweetie and dear. Yes. And, and you know when I think about it now, it's like, come on, people in their seventies were marching for peace and burning their bras, and you know, like, exactly. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with baking cookies, of course, but they've got a different life experience, and they're they're yeah. more likely to, you know, be making fun of each other than saying sweetie. <laughs> exactly. And I wanted to feature that. This is the first book where that senior. Usually, it's one of the seniors is dealing with something you know either they're adjusting to being a widow or losing a little bit of independence or something along those lines but uh in this book this is the first one where uh, zoe's godmother vicky actually has her own romance and what that's all about is a 70 year old falling in love again (laughs) yeah um and and it was fun i i have to say one of my uh one of the early reviews and the person liked the book, but she did say, she goes, I don't really want to read about people my grandparents' age doing it. <laughs> and I was oh, like, boy, which is fair. You know, I mean, well, yeah. any review is yes. it's fair. But at the same time, it's like, hello, we are. <laughs> oh, right. I'm sorry. I'm going to be on the other end of that spectrum. I yeah. do want to read about right. <laughs> 70 year old I don't want to read about mine right (laughs) or my grandparents no yes I do because I want to know that there's life over on that end exactly you know and I think too as women a lot of times after we get past the whole childbearing years 
It's mm-hmm. almost like we become, you know, it, it, nuns or something, it, you know, yeah. or, or the, that's the stereotype. Right. And it's just, yeah, is, we don't have time for that or we don't, you know. Exactly. Like, oh, and, yeah. I, I, and I don't believe that's true. And I yeah. know that's not true because. Right. <laughs> and, and, Vicky, yeah, and Vicky struggled with that, you know, she and and Gordy, who they actually knew each other in high school too. You know, I, I think at one point he said, you know, it's, you can't live your life based on the number on your driver's license. And, you know, right. that's really true. You can't just, you know, Vicky's is just like, oh, you know, I'm 70 years old. I, I can't do that nonsense. It's like, why not? Right. And she didn't really have a good answer. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I'm like, you know, guys are taking little blue pills. Who are they taking them for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's somebody. There's out only there. so many other guys right. that they're taking them for. <laughs> well, most of, but that's a lot more blue pills out yeah. there. That yeah. So I just feel like going into that stage of life or going into the next, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. I feel like we're just so underprepared. And so anytime I see like these representations, I'm just, I love seeing that because yeah. at least I have some kind of a reference point. Right. You know, and, and, <laughs> I don't and feel that was so Im- bad. <laughs> yeah. And that was important to me too. It's, again, I want it to be as realistic as possible. And the fact that you can approach it with humor, which helps <laughs> because things yeah. are different as you get older but it doesn't make them better or worse it's just different, different. you know yeah. so if you just kind of go along with that it can be just as enjoyable <laughs> exactly exactly and see we don't know that as a yeah. whole we don't know that we don't and talk we need about to it. know right because right. we don't talk about it right. we don't even really even talk about menopause except to make exactly. jokes and exactly i need to know what happens so yeah. i can be ready you yeah. know yeah, so I'm I'm just I'm happy to see that representation, not just representation for people in middle age, but representation for seniors with right. full lives and the the whole age positive, um, right. age positive, sex positive, yes, uh, representation. It's just amazing yeah. to me, and and actually um, just put out a podcast episode where we were talking about a book with a May-December romance and Ah. the woman was the older one and you know we were just like where is this representation and then we get this book (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like here it is you know it's just it's you know we just need more so I'm exactly I'm, I'm just happy to read that moving on to um some more about you um I noticed in your bio, you say you read the books that you like to write. So what are some of your favorite authors or maybe just favorite books that you like? Because I want more of this, (laughs) but I don't want to have to tell you, hey, write, write, write. (laughs) I'm going as fast as I can. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of my writing right now is... um, Sometimes I'm looking for things that are different than what I write. Uh, oh, when it comes to yeah. small town romance, I I love Kristen Higgins, um, uh, Susan Mallory, uh, Jill Shalvis. I you know that I like yes. the sassiness of Jill Shalvis's characters. Yes. Um, I know I was just listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about Olivia Dade, 
with the spoiler alert some of those yes. love her i i like the books with that yeah. sass to them you know yes but that also feel real you know they they hit you in the heart at the same time um yeah. i like samantha young the on dublin street series uh christina lauren mia sosa the worst best man <laughs> it's there's just so many great things but then i sometimes i'll do i'll read historical you know sarah mclean um or even paranormal with nalini singh and the, you know right. guild hunters and i'm yeah. like one of those people that always said i don't read paranormal not i didn't have anything against it it's just i was always it's not my thing and then i picked up you know when you have somebody who writes as well as nalini singh writes and I picked up a, a Guild Hunter series with the with Raphael and Elena and the angels and the whole <laughs> and vampires. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to like this book. Well, <laughs> good writing will take you into any well, world, you know, and it's like yes. I've now devoured like the whole series. I think there's one book out there yet that I haven't read. So, right. I have just discovered Nalini Singh uh, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm about to one click everything. I'm about yeah, to get. Yeah, she it. just pulls you in. <laughs> she does. And it's like there's sometimes I'm, I'll be reading and going, "This isn't my normal type of reading," but yet it is because it's a great story. Yeah, and she makes you care about the people and the situations. So, right. What I'm finding is that I am kind of feeling for the characters. Yeah. It's not just this person is, a, you know, or this individual is a vampire, right. this individual is, a, and I like these, I'm team this. I'm, and right. I find like I'm actually caring for these people, you yes. know, or these, you know, beings. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I was just going into this with some paranormal action. Yeah, and it's like I'm just sitting there going, "Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'm never going to read about vampires." Well, yeah, maybe yeah. not. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, maybe I will. After all, I'm reading her uh, side change. Side change, like yeah. Series. I've read a lot of those. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of them, but yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I was like when I first started, I said, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> she's got so many books i've been so late to this oh my god well, and, and it's the I'm... same thing it's like you know shapeshifters come on and then i'm totally into it <laughs> right <laughs> you know it's like and and i think you 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 nailed that the characters themselves make you care if the character isn't compelling because he's a changeling wolf or whatever it's he's compelling because it's a compelling character you know, the backstory is something you can actually relate to. And, you know, that's how she pulls you in. That's, you know, that's a goal for authors to me is to have that level. Exactly. Well, I'm, you pulled me in with Zoe and oh. Mike, I tell you. <laughs> Thank you. I liked Mike and I'm like, <laughs> everybody's got a mic. I hope, I hope Mike doesn't see this. But anyway, yeah. everybody's got a mic. <laughs> so. Yeah. And he like, is, he's just, just like, yeah, he's a good guy and, you know, he's just trying to do the best he can. And, you know, it's like, I really just wanted him to be that, you know, the guy that shows up when the storm's coming, the guy, yes. that, you know, and, you know, he's just that, that guy. And, you know, with Zoe, I really wanted to get into that different, you know, we talked earlier, I've always been a fix it myself person. I own my own house for 10 years and you know patch the roof in the rain with a garbage bag and thumbtacks oh because gosh. it was leaking <laughs> really 
<laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that was oh, many years wow. ago. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> My dad, who's gone now, but he came over, of course, you know, when the rain stopped and I called him and he got up on the roof and he's looking at it and he's shaking his head, but he looked down at me and he goes, it worked. <laughs> he's like, exactly. I, yeah, <laughs> I needed something. Yeah. Um, and my husband owned a uh, sewing machine and vacuum cleaner stores. If you notice, she's repairing sewing machines and vacuums. Is, That's yeah. all from experience. Um, yeah, and I was worked... going to ask that. I was like, um, so what I worked in stores. <laughs> I'm not great with sewing machines. I'm not, my husband can tear one apart and put it back together again. Um, but I did, I helped in the store. I actually sold a few because I wasn't a sewer, you know, so people would come yeah. in. And it's like, hey, if I can do this. <laughs> you can, you know, this machine is so computerized now, but yeah. vacuum cleaners, I could take a vacuum cleaner apart. I did all the service on those. Wow. Um, so it was a great deal of that came from my own experience that I wanted a, a heroine who had a job that wasn't necessarily typical. You know, she wasn't the librarian or bookstore right. owner or, you know, the right. typical small town job. She was the one who was going around fixing people's machines. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, I immediately like gravitated to her because of that, because yeah. I just, you know, my dad was like a Mr. Fix it like that too. Yes. And, and I try to be, but I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm more of the, I like interior design and I yeah. like putting that kind of stuff together versus yeah. I can fix something, but I will try my hand at it. But yeah, yeah. like it's yeah. just, you, it, it's just something that is like, I think she knows a little bit about this yeah. because she's yeah. really going into some detail that yeah. I'm like, yeah, research yeah, yeah. is not going to get you that. And I was like, I, I'm just like, okay, two thumbs yeah. up for that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. One other thing about that is that kind of mirrors what you, um, as far as your dynamic is the whole, they were friends or whatever. And I noticed that in, I think it was in your acknowledgement, you mentioned, you know, some longtime friends. Um, yeah. What about the friends to lovers trope, you know, kind of drew you in? Was it, I, I have those friends and I want to pay homage or do you like that trope as a trope? I like the trope. And for some reason, I hadn't really written one. I mean, I've had some where they co-workers kind of friends, you okay. know, became lovers. But I really, this was my first where I just dove into the longtime friendship. And then I took it even further and made it really long time. But I don't know if it's the right word, but I want to say there's a gentleness to the arc of friends to lovers. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, as much as I love the the sass of the enemy to lover, you know, banter back and forth. There was something really gentle and fun about seeing the arc with Mike and Zoe and how that developed. It, it was a bit of a slow burn because yeah. of that weight. But at the same time, it was it was kind of fun that everyone else could see what was happening and they couldn't. Yes. You know, they're like, what are you crazy, Mike? Ooh, no. Ew. <laughs> I love that. And I love that too. I was like, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden there was just kind of a, oh, Mike. <laughs> right. It surprised me even as I did, as I say, that that sweetness and gentleness to the, the story arc and the nervousness. Because it really mm -hmm. is a, it's a legitimate fear. I mean, think of somebody you've been friends yeah. with for a long time, whether male or female, and risking that 
losing that friendship if things go wrong. So it's, you know, the stakes are big. Right, right, exactly. You know, for me, it's like with enemies to lovers, it feels like it has to be sharp and everything has to be action packed, you know, to get that enemies to lovers, whatever out. Mm -hmm. And here it's like, I'm still feeling the heat and the tension, but they're just looking at each other, you know, and they're just like, you know, or they're just saying something. And then one of them says, yeah, this is kind of awkward. Maybe you shouldn't say this like this. They start joking about things. Right, right. And you feel it as intense. You it's an intense feel without the sharp actiony stuff that you that you have to do with enemies to lovers. Well, thank you. I'm glad that came across because it was like, that was kind of the way I was feeling even if sometimes when you're writing, you're watching at the same time because the characters, yes. the characters take you where they want to go. And just kind of watching that arc was, was really fun, you know, yeah, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of slow burn, <laughs> this cover, by the way, I'm sorry, I keep showing the cover, everybody. I keep showing it. But this cover is a little misleading (laughs) because, yes, while it is a slow burn, uh, yeah, when it burns, it burns. There's fire here. (laughs) This is not a, um, I know some of my audience likes to know heat levels of books. And I'm going to say this is spicy, steamy a little bit. Yeah, you you get you get a little bit of you get at least one good open door scene, right? So for those of you who like sweet and who are looking at this cover and thinking sweet, <laughs> it is not sweet. Yeah, well, it is sweet, but it's sexy. yeah, <laughs> sweet and sex. Yeah, yeah, you know. And that that tends to be with my books, the way you described it is there's usually one, I would say major love scene. But for me, when I'm writing the love scenes, that tend, that's such a moment of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That first love scene to me is they're just so vulnerable yeah. in that moment. So I do tend to really take that first love scene and follow it through in more detail. After that, it tends to be a little bit more off page it depends on what they're mm-hmm. up to but yeah. i totally get that yeah. from that and too um and that's why we say here is like spicy you know but not steamy steamy because yeah. you do get that more vulnerable side yeah and you get the emotions and the feelings around the love scene that is shown on page that there's just no way you couldn't you could get that same vulnerability especially with something like a friends to lovers where we're already talking about this kind of art but you're saying that's kind of how that's how you do with all of your your novels i mean there's different emotions with each one but yeah to me that the love scene is is about emotion to me it's not i mean the physical act is is there but to me the the scene is about the emotion you know whether it's you know anger to love making or whether it's this really slow cautious kind of giggling their way into right. <laughs> to making love the first time you know when they're right. laughing and searching for condoms but right um, 
It, uh, Which is, I, I love that. Thank you for the searching for condoms. Yes. Thank you for the condoms. Oh, yeah. yes, and thank absolutely. you for the cons and thank you for yes. the consent. Now, consent I, it, is sexy and protection yeah. is sexy. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm a firm believer in that. I get that in, in every book in one form or another, you know, that there's 100% consent and there's, they're both on the same page. You know, when I say anger to lovemaking, it never goes right from anger to that. There's always right. that you know, all right, we're doing this, the heck with it. <laughs> okay. But yes, we're both on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's great. We talked a little bit about the kids and about, uh, no, I'm sorry, about the uh, teenager, <laughs> Hazel, um, but we didn't talk uh, a lot about uh, the other kids. Is it just, are you thinking about maybe making this kind of a generational thing? Because we do see a lot of kids in this, or is this just part of the small town you're focusing on? Yeah, I think it's the small town. I don't I do not do children in all my books. It's um, not having children myself other than as I say, you know, grown stepchildren by the time I got married. I don't think children are necessary for happily ever after. You know, I mm -hmm. I don't, it's a lot of times it's, you know, the epilogue is always where the baby is born. Right. <laughs> and I've done, a, I've done a few of those too. But to me, it's not necessary for the happily ever after. But at the same time, of course, lots of people have children. They add a layer of complexity to a relationship. So it's fun to get them in the stories. But I'd I know almost in every other book for me, it's like one of them might be a single parent. Or, right. Um, okay. Because they do, when you're writing, when you're writing a story and children are in it, they can take up a lot of real estate in the story. So yes. it's, it's hard to kind of balance that and make sure that everybody has a right. You, you don't want to suddenly go, Hey, what happened to that kid they had <laughs> 50 <Right>. pages ago? <laughs> exactly. But you also don't want the story suddenly to become about the children and not the main character. So it's right. a bit of a balancing act. A lot of times I've got colored post-it notes all over my door, keeping track of who's showing up and how often, you know, and especially with this, with the book club as well, trying to keep that balance so nobody gets forgotten or gets lost. And, and speaking of that, keeping up with the characters and, um, and everything is book five, just is that one more book or are we seeing more? I'm seeing, never mind. I won't talk about what I'm seeing. <laughs> I hope, I hope to see more, you know, that's it, at this point that a lot of that is, you know, up to publishers and we'll see where it goes. If not in Rendezvous Falls, there's another series I'm just beginning to play with that would be they still are all going to have those same notes of I grew up in a small town but that was more of the suburbs um mm -hmm. so when I do the small town I like to do it as near a city near population and a little bit more multi-layered in the community um and I'm doing a working on a new series so I okay. would I'd like to see more from Rendezvous Falls. I really have a lot of fun there um, and like the characters, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without spoiling it, I, I, I have my favorites. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'm going to spoil something. Well, I'll but... tell you, the, uh, I don't know if you read the uh, novella at the end uh, that's included with the book, but that character, Zane, the main character, Zane and Andrea, Zane was the 
kind of hermit brother of the main character in the first book, uh, Slow Dancing at Sunrise. Okay. This right here. And he was barely mentioned. And it was just like, you know, he, the family had been really down on their luck. You know, their dad died in prison, their mom, you know, just a really hard luck, other side of the tracks family. And so this one brother had kind of made his way out of that in Slow Dancing at Sunrise. People started saying, well, where's Zane? When are you going to write about Zane? I'm like, I mentioned Zane like three times. In the oh whole my book. gosh. So it was like every book I kept mentioning, you know, Zane got a, a new job and started building a career for himself in woodworking. And then in another book, he showed up, but it actually showed up in a scene instead of just being mentioned. So in that novella, he finally gets his happily ever after because readers were okay. like, it's Zane, finally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to ask. I'm like, is this bonus bonus story in all the, okay. Yeah, no, there's not that, a bonus that's... story in all of them, but they okay. just tied this one in. and Because it it's Zane. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So everybody, when they get, when sparks fly, they will get uh Zane's yes. yes, lost um, in love. Yeah. Lost in love. Yes, bonus. Yeah. Okay, great. I love it. I haven't really done this before, but I've always wanted to do this as kind of a Uh-oh. rapid fire round. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but it doesn't have to be rapid, rapid fire. But don't take too long to think about these <laughs> these questions. Um, they're mostly faves. Um, so what is the first romance that you read and that you thought, hey, this is what I want to do, write romance? I'm going old school with that. It would be a Victoria Holt book, uh, way back when, King of the Castle oh, by Victoria my. Holt. Yeah. Okay. And I was like early teenager. <laughs> and you were like, yes, gotta gotta write this. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite trope? I I really like enemies to lovers. I like the, I like that little zing. I, I still fall back onto that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is the best book boyfriend that you wrote? Oh, that I wrote. It sounds silly, but Mike is right up there. (laughs) I'm looking at a stack of books here, but, um, it would be either Mike or, Finn O'Hearn, who was in another Rendezvous Falls book, uh, Barefoot on a Starlit Night, and only because he came, he was Irish, like right from Ireland. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, had the Irish brogue. You got to go for that. (laughs) Of course, of course. So what about the best book boyfriend that you didn't write? Hmm. I'm going to say it'd be probably Samantha Young, and I'm going to draw a blank on the name, which is awful. Um, But on Dublin Street, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, but yeah, he was just kind of rugged and honest and determined. He he had a little bit of Mike in him, but with a little more swagger. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, we already talked about your favorite HGTV personalities, yeah. Property Brothers, and you like the Love It or List It um, duo. What was your favorite book of yours to write? Like the one that you had the most fun writing? Long roundabout story with that one, but it was actually the second book I wrote. And uh, that was in the the Gallant Lake series for special edition. Okay. And it wasn't the first, it, was a, it wasn't the first book I sold. I sold the book I wrote. The next book 
was the first book sold, but wow. I never gave up on this story. It, it ended up being published as it started at Christmas and it did really well. It won uh, New England Reader's Choice Award. And so it, it paid off, but I had to kind of fight to get it published, but I wow. loved the story so much. And funny, as we were talking about paranormal, this I always say there's a bit of a ghost in it. You can't really have a bit of a ghost. <laughs> but yes, with special edition are not supposed to be paranormal, but it's like, trust me, this we, we've got to do this. And the editor agreed. And wow. she's the like the original owner of an American castle, basically. And I there's a lot of those in New York State, these beautiful literal castles that were built wow. at the turn of the last century. Mm-hmm. And I've toured several of them and I, I just love them. So that's what the book was based on is in this castle, but, you know, being renovated. And the woman is actually, of course, an interior designer. Why not? (laughs) Of course. Uh, And I just had a, I had a blast writing that book and it really meant something. Um, I had an opportunity to get it published before earlier, if I'd have taken the ghost out and I couldn't do it. I said, I just, She's too much a part of the story. It's not the same story. So I stuck to my guns. For all the authors out there, don't give up if you got a story you believe in. Because yeah. it was rejected three times before it got out there. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. That is awesome, though. That is so awesome. And I've always said that's a book in my heart. It started at Christmas. I don't think I have it here, but... I'm telling you, I'm I'm just having, I had so much fun talking with you, Joe. <laughs> and on that note, that hopeful note, because of course, I'm a bit of a writer myself uh-huh. and trying to get a story out there that I believe in. Tell us where we can find you. Are you online, your socials, your website? How can yes. we get this book? Yeah. Well, the yeah, the purchase links are all on my website, which is joemcnallyromance.com. And then you'll see all the books there and all the, the buy links. Um, so it's joemcnallyromance.com. I'm on Facebook as Joe McNally author. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter, although I'm not as much book oriented on Twitter because that's the wild, wild west of, yes, it is. of the universe. <laughs> but I enjoy it. I'm just not always book focused there. Uh, but I'm on Facebook a lot. I've got a, a readers group. Uh, I've got my Joe McNally author page, plus just my regular profile. Uh, I like the conversational yeah. qualities. I mean, Facebook can have its issues, but I like that conversational, really getting to know people right. feeling of Facebook. So, and okay. Instagram, I just share pictures of the dog and food. <laughs> oh, but but we love yeah. it. We love yeah. pets. Oh, okay. Yes. We love pets and yeah. we're down with food. Yes. There you go. <laughs> oh, so everybody, we will also have all of those links on the show notes for this episode we are now on nerdyromanticspodcast.com that's where you'll find these show notes and actually you can subscribe to our newsletter and we will give away a copy of when sparks fly in our newsletter in our september edition of our newsletter um so if you're not subscribed subscribe because you could get a copy of this wonderful book. 
Joe, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. And it was just, it was great meeting with you and great talking with you. It was fun. I feel like we were like sitting over a cup of coffee together. It felt very comfortable. So thank you so much. Awesome. And so everybody remember nerdyromanticspodcast.com and we will have all the links for um, her uh, Joe's socials and her website where you can buy this wonderful book. Thanks so much. So that's all for this episode. We've got a new website at nerdyromanticspodcast.com. But don't fear, all of our episodes and their show notes are on our new website. While you're there, please consider donating to our podcast with the donate button at the top right hand corner or the buy me a coffee button on the show notes for each episode. Your donations go straight to keeping this podcast on the air and keeping all of our episodes out there for you to listen to whenever you want to. If you want to get our show notes in your inbox, please consider signing up for our Nerdy Romantics newsletter. The sign-up form is at the bottom of each page on our new website. Thank you for listening. Star date, not too distant future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met or gotten in a fight with another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there? Attraction and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see a little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.